Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun in sports betting. And that machine gun is my bookie. Whether you are new to online sports betting or a seasoned pro, my bookie strives to give you the absolute best online betting experience. And the good news is that my bookie is in a giving mood this holiday season. Sign up now. Make your deposit using the promo code ABSOLUTEDGEN and MyBookie will match you halfway to give you a head start on building your bankroll. You put in $200, you get an extra $100 to play with. Treat yourself to some extra cash in your pocket this holiday season. Support degeneracy at the same time. It's not just winter season, it is winning season. So bet, win, and get paid with MyBookie. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey everybody, Arch here, and it is Thursday after the morning show, not the night show, and we're talking UFC with James and Mason. What's going on, James? I'm going very well, thank you, Arch. How about yourself, mate? You doing well? I'm doing fine. I'm glad you could join us for the last fight of the year. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a bit of a, a rush on the way home. I, I, I literally overdid it, <laughs> and I saw I got like 10 minutes to get home before the show, but I just just made it. I was a little bit late. I, I apologize on my behalf, but we're here now talking UFC. Like you said, final fight, uh, night of the year. Very much looking forward to it. We've got a couple of banging, cards, uh, banging fights in the cards, so yeah. Let's get into it. Mason didn't notice you were late at all. I'll just tell you. <laughs> There's a surprise. What's going on, Mason? I'm doing well, mate. I'm looking forward to the final fight card of the year. Oh, yeah. This is, this is going to be fun. All right. Well, we got a lot of fights to get to, so let's jump into And, man, is this card close. There is a lot of tough decisions to be made ahead of you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of these fights are, are pick me, uh, picking fights. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get to it. James, who do you have first up? Uh, obviously, the main event between Stephen Thompson and Jeff Neal. It, it, it was a shame, really, because the originally it was scheduled for Leon Edwards versus Hamza Chemaev. Nonetheless, you know, we've still got a banging main event between two absolute hard hitters in the World Weight division. With Thompson, he's coming off of a decision win at 244, where he landed over 130 strikes with a great percentage of significant strikes and that victory that night earned him the fight of the night honours and he's looking for back-to-back wins for the first time since 2016. The one thing you notice with Stephen Thompson is, you know, he's a well-conditioned striker who's very polished defensively, almost never takes clean shots from his opponents and he's only been finished once in his career. He's got such a deep kickboxing background and he's got a great upbringing in that uh, side of the sport, uh, mixed martial arts sport. I think he's 58-0 in the kickboxing era. And, you know, he follows up with these clean shots every time you fight, um, see him fight to the head. And that often turns it into a fight whereby the opponents seem to wake up and trade back. And that's when you play into Stephen Thompson's hands. He's also 
brown belt and BJJ and he's probably simply one of the more solid welterweights in the sport and uh, it's very rarely that you beat Stephen Thompson I've got nothing but respect for him and with Jeff Neal I mean boy is he on a fantastic run right now he's coming off of that win over Mike Perry was scheduled to fight Neil Magny a couple months back but unfortunately I had to pull out and the one thing I have noticed is obviously it's a bit of a tough test for Jeff Neal he's now 6-0 under the UFC banner and he's primarily a stand-up striker with powerful hands. I think out of the two, I think Jeff Neal hits harder, but I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson has the more skill set in his striking, has the ability to sort of fend off the pressure from Jeff Neal wherever the fight goes. But the knockout power definitely favours Jeff Neal, and he puts together a nice couple of combinations clean and also has that kicking ability as well. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tough ask for Jeff Neal to get the job done because... You know, the difference between Mike Perry <laughs> and uh, Stephen Thompson is hugely substantial. And, you know, this will not be a walk in the park for Jeff. And the same goes for Stephen Thompson. This is going to be a tough test. And I think this one will be like a, a pure stand-up uh, with pure stand-up, you know, trade right from the get-go. And no one's going to drop. They're both going to be potentially looking for the finish. But it's going to be an absolute banger, potentially one of the fights, of the fights of the year, maybe. And I can see this one going the full distance. Like I said, Neil is sharper with his hands, puts together some nice clean combinations. But again, technically speaking, I think Thompson edges it. Therefore, I'm going to go Thompson by decision. Gotcha, Mason. I can't, I can't wait for this one. I think this is one of the fights I'm looking forward to most on the card, just because of how, how great the both fighters are. Obviously, Stephen Thompson, former title contender and now looking to make his way back up to that position. Jeff Neal, great fighter also. As James mentioned, Jeff Neal's coming off the win over Mike Perry, but no disrespect to Mike, he's nowhere near the athlete that Stephen Thompson is. So like James has said, it's not going to be a walk in the park for either of the guys. I do believe, well, I do agree again that it is going to be quite quite a pretty much a standing battle on the feet but who knows anything can happen in the fight it could go to the ground and uh if it went to the ground i think Stephen would have the upper hand but striking it i think he has the upper hand again i do believe it will go five rounds and i'm gonna go for a Stephen thompson decision both of you on decision yeah okay I like it. It's as you guys said, it was close. Thompson's minus one hundred three to win. Jeff Neal is minus one eleven. So holy cow, hell of a fight! It looks like on paper, close one. Let's see. Thompson to win by decision is getting you guys plus three fifty. Mm-hmm. That's that's not bad. That's not a bad bit of doing. Is there any chance? I'm trying to fill this out for how to bet it because I think you're probably. I think you guys are probably. Uh, wrong <laughs> i think jeff neil's gonna win this fight is there any chance neil knocks him out or you think this is gonna go the distance no matter what i think yeah no, I, like i said yeah. jeff yeah. neil has the knockout power i think so it's, it's very clear yeah yeah i think he's the more powerful puncher out of the two but i think technically speaking like i said stephen thompson edges it Mm-mm. yeah I, I agree with james he's got the ability but i just think technically stephen thompson will be too smart for him to knock him out on the night all right well I'm going to say Jeff Neal does have the knockout power then. I'm going to take Jeff Neal plus 175 to KO, TKO, or submit Stephen Thompson. Mm-hmm. There it is. So there it is. We, we disagree. It's, it's, it's rare that we plant a flag and you guys are so wrong and I'm so right. Indeed. <laughs> well, come Saturday night, we'll see, son. <laughs> All right. What's up? What's up next? Uh, the co-main event is an, also an absolute banger in the bantamweight division between Jose Aldo Jr. and Marlon Chito Vera. Again, it's one of those fights where I'm looking forward to. Jose Aldo with an impressive record of 28-7. and seven. Majority of his wins have come via form with knockout. And although he's not in the best of runs recently, he's still got the experience. And he's coming off of that loss to Piotr Jan, who... When you look at the fight, when you re-watch that fight, Jose Aldo had definitely had his moments. I think he got tired towards the end and was just beating up badly in the championship round. So he ate a lot of strikes that night. I think he ate over 258 total strikes and very rarely landed some of his own, but he still had his moments on that fight. So he's now on a three-fight losing streak and I don't think he's been on the winning side since UFC Fight Night 144 and that was like two, three years ago. So, you know, he'll be looking to get back to winning ways against Marlon Vera. The, the win is there for Jose Aldo, but it's going to be very tough. Uh, like I said, with Jose Aldo, he's got a background in Muay Thai, 
And, you know, he's most known for his power striking and leg kicks. And if we see those leg kicks in the fight with Marlon Vera, like the Jose Aldo of old in his prime era, I can see Jose Aldo just sort of steamrolling it. But if he sort of allows Marlon Vera to get into the fight and sort of is reluctant to throw some power punches and leg kicks of his own, that's when we see the tables turning and Marlon Vera potentially might come out on top. And with Marlon Vera... He's a tough, tough fighter. I mean, he's very athletic and explosive. Got that. He's coming off of that first round knockout at UFC 252 when he hurt O'Malley's leg and then eventually got the finish on the ground and pound. And he's finished each of his last eight victories. Three of the last four wins have come by a former knockout. And like I said, he's very athletic and explosive. He was tough to, to get comfortable against on the feet because he throws compact strikes. He's sort of the same with Eldo. He likes to throw some leg kicks as well that has some serious pop behind him. And he's got a black belt in BJJ. So he knows his way around the, the octagon and knows his way around the canvas. And he's never been uh, finished in his career despite those five losses, which is a, an outstanding stat. He's a very exciting fighter with a polished skill set and has... Every serious chance to be a legend in Jose Aldo, but I think the experience will pay dividends in this one. He may be on the losing streak, Jose Aldo, but like I said, he had those moments against Jan, and it's more sort of lucky it's a three-round fight against Monavera. So I'm going to go for Jose Aldo by decision on this one. I'm really looking forward to this fight, just of the ability of both guys of how great the fight could be. Jose Aldo, as we know, one of the most dominant champions of all time and now has gone down the weight class against Marlon Vera well he had the fight against Petian unfortunately lost that one but now he's fighting Marlon Vera he's coming off the win against Sean O'Malley I think I think no offence Jose but I know he's not even that old but I don't think he's got the ability to compete with the guys at the moment just because of how long he's been doing it and the fights he's been through but if, like James said if we see them leg kicks that Jose Aldo was mainly known for we could we could see the old Jose Aldo return again, but I'm not sure if he's going to pull pull them leg kicks out. And as we've seen with Marlon Vera, he's, he's a very fast and very talented guy. The winner over O'Malley is obviously going to put him on a big high, even though O'Malley's were saying it was whatever it was, but I'm going for a Marlon Vera decision. I just think it will go all three rounds, and I think it's going to be a close fight, but I think Vera will edge the decision. Yeah, it looks to be another close fight if you look at the lines here. Uh, Aldo is minus 153, Vera is mm-hmm. plus 132. So, geez, another nail-biter. I'm sorry, James, you were on an Aldo decision or a Vera decision? Uh, Aldo, Aldo decision. decision. Okay, so you guys are split. Um, Aldo by decision is plus 150. Uh, Vera by decision is plus 275. So close to call. I do think, James, you're probably on the right track. I, I was definitely leaning more towards Aldo. But, you know, so I want to bet. I want to bet Aldo for sure. But you could Dutch decisions on both sides, plus 150, plus 275. If, if you want a safe bet, just bet decision on both guys, and you'll come out ahead. But I do think Aldo probably takes it. Yeah, I think Aldo's more than capable. I just think, I just think Marlon will just edge it. He, I think it could go either way, the fight. You don't have to defend yourself, Mason. Just say, fuck him. This is who I bet. <laughs> if you want to make money, you follow me. Indeed, indeed, guys, indeed. All right, James, who's up next? Again, next up, we've got a bloody another banger, honestly. Mm-hmm. This is incredible. Welterweight matchup between Michelle Pereira and Chaos Williams. And... Boy, we are in for a treat in this one. I think this has got all the ingredients to potentially be the fight of the night. This will probably, may even trump Stephen Thompson versus Jeff Neal and Jose Aldo versus Marlon Pereira. I mean, you look at Chaos Williams, he's coming off of that fantastic uh, knockout win uh, over the last month or so. And, you know, he took some time off, but he's sort of making up for lost time in a way. And I'm very much looking forward to this between two sort of young fighters in the UFC who are just sort of trying to pry their trade within the promotion. And Michelle Pereira is coming off of that first round submission and performance of the night bonus in September to make it two and two in the UFC. And his previous loss to his last loss against Diego Sanchez was a dominant performance before he was disqualified for an absolute foolish knee in um, his downed opponent which was just stupid on his uh, behalf and with Pereira he's he's got that background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu karate and capoeira and is one of the most creative strikers in probably 
hitting the whole entire promotion. I mean, he just uses those flying kick, uh, flying knees, spinning kicks, Superman punches and flips, you know, like a 12-year-old on rampant in the school playground. I mean, that Michelle Pereira is just brutal wherever it goes. With Chaos Williams, as you know, he's coming off of that sensational knock-up win over Abdul Al-Hassan uh, just five weeks ago, I believe, and dispatched Alex Moreno before that on his debut. And he's now won eight fights in a row to improve his record to 11 and one, six wins coming by a form of knockout TKO. And again, he's going to be absolutely brutal. I think this is going to be an absolute war between two guys that would rather sort of stand up and entertain the fans watching at home rather than take the proceedings to the mat. Pereira striking is an absolute treat for fans. I think the recklessness of his attacks makes him uh, considerably vulnerable. And against a guy like Chaos Williams, he will look to exploit that because Chaos Williams is probably the most dangerous fighter Michelle Pereira has ever fought. And I'm very much looking forward to this one. I think Chaos is more quicker, more athletic and more powerful than Michelle Pereira's previous opponents. And again, this is all the ingredients to be a fantastic fight. And I think this one will go late on into the rounds because, again, it's going to be a stand-up war. Both fighters are going to be cautious in their approach and in the wherever the fight goes, to be honest. So I'm going to go for a third round TKO in favour of Chaos Williams. I'm I'm really looking forward to this fight just because of how Michelle Pereira acts in the cage. E- even though it's not the most sensible of decisions, it's always going to be entertainment just how he is. But Chaos Williams, he's no guy to mess with. As James said, he dispatched Alex Morono in his debut and now he, well, he's fighting Michelle Pereira now. But I think Pereira, I'm, I'm not too sure because obviously he had the loss against Diego Sanchez because of disqualification and now he's coming off the submission victory. I think it could go either way. I think it is going to be a stand-up battle, but I'm going for a Michelle Pereira second round TKO. Oh, guys are on opposite sides again. <laughs> if you want to earn some money, listen to me. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's how you do it, man. All right. No, I think I think uh, James. I have to say, I think you're probably on the right track. I would. This seems to be like a coin flip. Uh, Chaos Williams is plus 105. Pereira is minus 120. It's coin coin flip here. I do think chaos ever so slightly has the edge but i wouldn't mm-hmm. load up on this one i would actually follow both of you guys here uh tko yeah. on both sides you're getting minus or excuse me plus 150 for chaos and plus 175 for michelle so man you, you could turn a profit betting both sides 100 this one is close as shit a lot of the fights as you said is close on this one so yeah all the fights on air could go either way no man this is yeah it's tight as hell all right what do we got next Next up, yet another banger in the bandsmith division between Marlon Morris and Rob Font. I think this one comes down to a sort of a, a high-level kickboxing match. And you look at Marlon Morris after his rise to the title, seemed imminent. You know, he's he's, he's hit a rough patch. He's win over Jose Aldo was sandwiched in between two defeats. Uh, but on the bright side, I mean, Morris probably remains a pretty nasty Muay Thai striker and is still very lightning quick on the feet. On the on the other end of the equation, Rob Font is picking up momentum. His uh, kickboxing has grown more and more effective as he's sort of gained more experience inside the octagon. And as Font is obviously arguably, in my opinion, better able to establish his jab and hold up in firefights. I mean, when the going gets tough, tough for Rob Font, he's able to hold his own and, you know, respond in his own manner, and which has seen him earn a big, big, big fight against Marlon Morris. And with a win over Marlon Morris, that will take Rob Font into the, potentially the top five, top six rankings and establish his name as a bantamweight household name. It's Right now, though, it's still hard to pick against Marlon Morris in a kickboxing match. I know Sanhagen managed to pick him apart, but Sanhagen level of activity, footwork and range sort of separated, sort of, regardless of my it sort of separates Sanhagen from most of the division to a large degree. Font is very skilled and powerful in his own right, but this is, he's just much more of a, a straightforward hitter. Morais, on the other hand, is well equipped to handle Font's style of striking. I think he'll be able to find the openings for heavy counter shots. Even if he doesn't, I think Morris's kicks are just capable of ending the fight in an instant. I'm going to go for Marlon Morris in the second round via TK. Nice. Well, as James said, obviously, Marlon's not on the best of run at the minute, obviously. He lost, lost against Sandhagen, then, but before that, won two and then lost against Henry. He was up there with the title contention and there's no reason why he can't get back up there. Obviously, 
the last his last two wins came against Jose Aldo. Two wins, yeah. Ho, well, no, two fights. Sorry, Jose Aldo, and now he's fought, lost against Sandhagen. And then um, obviously Sandhagen's going to be Sandhagen is a level above Rob Font in my opinion. No disrespect to Rob, but this this is going to stay on the feet, I think. And as James said, it's hard to bet against Marlon Moraes when it's going to stay on the feet. I'm going for a Marlon Moraes third round TKO. TKO for both of you. Uh, I think you're both on the right track. I do think Marlon's going to win this fight. He's minus 153 right now, uh, mm-hmm. and Rob is plus 132. So I guess this is one of the more one-sided ones <laughs> fights we've got so far. Man, but I, I do tend to agree. I think you guys are on the right side, and I, you know, I'm not even going to worry about dutching it. I think I'm just going to jump on Marlon, mm-hmm. all of you guys, because I, I think you're going to think you're going to end up getting paid. Smart decision there, Rob. <laughs> yeah. I get one a one a year. Yeah. I saved it for the last. <laughs> yeah. Good time to choose it. Mm. <laughs> Who are we looking at next? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Uh, next up, I've got Jillian Robertson versus Tyler Santos. Let's do it. Is that what you boys have got? Damn, I keep, yeah. I keep smacking my mic with my hand. Um, I'm a little too animated today. <laughs> you got poor hand-eye coordination today. Huh? Must be a, must be a sign of corona. <laughs> oh, yeah. Trust me, from a guy who's had it, <laughs> hitting your head with your mic is uh, a symptom. <laughs> <laughs> so be careful. Actually, you might want to get a test, Sam. <laughs> Yeah, no. So next up, we've got Gillian Robertson versus Tyler Santos. And this is another pick and fight. This is just so close with uh, Gillian Robertson. Her takedown and submission game is very strong. She does lack that sort of physicality and explosiveness, though. And that may sort of bite her in the matchup with Tyler Santos, who will look to exploit that. Santos came into the UFC with a red hot record of 15 and 0, including a contender series win, but lost her first official fight to, in the UFC to Mara Romero. Uh, Barella, uh, who's also skilled, a bit of a skilled mixed martial artist, and she's very well-rounded, Talia. And there are sort of holes in Gillian Robertson's game, which Santos may look to exploit. And since sort of Santos's time off from that defeat on her debut, she sort of transformed uh, brilliantly, and that sort of showed in her last fight uh, against uh, Molly McCann, and uh, to sort of punch. The, uh, sort of punching the takedown for a unanimous decision victory and fair play to Tyler because many were expecting a Molly McCann victory and that night and Tyler sort of proved, you know, I've taken a year and a half off, but I'm still able to compete with these girls in the flyweight division. And, you know, fair play to her because Molly is a tough cookie. She is a true mixed martial arts and artist and belongs in the UFC. With this fight, it's really going to be a tough one. I think this one will go to the distance. I think, like I said, Santos... 
she isn't as explosive or fast, but she's sort of that established, well-rounded mixed martial artist who has her moments. And she can be very physical in, in the clinch with the knees to the body. Very brutal at times, whereby Robertson, again, on the match, she can hold her own and she's very, very brutal on, on the canvas. And oh, this is a tough one. I think this one goes to the distance. Ooh, I'm going to go for Gillian Robertson by decision. This is very close. Well, I've got a kind of the opposite. Originally, I had Gillian Robertson to win, but I've kind of changed my mind. I think but both women, great fighters. As James said, Talia, last time out, came up and won against Molly McCann. And including myself, many people thought Molly was going to come out on top. Gillian, great, great fighter, great submissions. Um, I think she has the ability to submit Talia, but... I think Talia's strength and how powerful she is is going to be a deciding factor. She's had multiple stoppage victories, as we've seen, and I've gone for a Talia Santos third-round TKO. Oh, a TKO? Yeah. Ooh. Wait, I'm sorry, third round? Yeah. I wasn't even ready for that. I was already writing decision in by your name. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another one. This is going to be a reoccurring theme for almost every fight but one. A coin flip, another coin flip. Uh, mm. Jillian is minus one twelve. Talia is minus one hundred two. So, yeah. and I even see another book has got it minus one ten both sides. So, man, oh man, is this tight? Uh, Jillian to win by decision is going to pay out plus two forty. Talia by mm. decision is going to win two plus two hundred, but that doesn't matter. You took Talia TKO three thirty three. Stuff. I do think I actually think Talia is probably going to win the fight. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a TKO. I I want a decision here. Yeah, I think Talia decision. I mean, come on. I, usually, I bet ladies to have decision, and then Tisha Torres comes out and fucks everything <laughs> up. So, I want a piece of Talia with the decision plus two hundred. So, yeah. there you go. You got one fight, three opinions. Good stuff. Yeah, man. <laughs> What's up next, Gene? Again, next up, we've got a sort of a pick and fight between Marcin uh, Tubera versus Greg Hardy. Another absolute banger of a fight. Uh, two clash up in very different styles in a way, I guess. Tibera has sort of been something of a dark horse contender, really. At one point, he was given a real chance to break into the title fight mix in the main event between Fabrizio Verdum, which didn't work out. However, he's a, that's a well-rounded veteran. Uh, one, who, one who's able to sort of strike from range or grind for takedowns along the fence. And it's going to be a tough test for Greg Hardy, but, you know, not an unreasonable one. I think Hardy is sort of still figuring himself out as a fighter. He came into the UFC as an aggressive slugger who just came for the knockout, you know, the performances, the night's bonuses, those first round knockouts before sort of slowing it all down and kickboxing at range almost for points in a way. And he showed real improvement at finding the balance last time absolutely smash my screen without getting sloppy or giving up his uh, range, uh, range advantage. Tibera presents a different challenge to to Hardy than most of his recent opponents. He's crafty enough range striker to avoid the big swings of Hardy, yet can likely return with those big hard counter shots and kicks of his own. Plus, if you know Hardy swarms too widely, Tibera has a decent chance of putting him on his back with a reactive shot, and that's when we're going to see Greg Hardy get taken into deep waters. How is he going to survive off his back? I think just based on his sheer versatility, I think Tibera edges the decision because if he gets hit with a couple of hard shots from Greg Hardy, then Marcin's just going to take it, fight to the floor and grind that decision. So Tibera, a decision for me. There you go. Um, I'm looking forward to this one also. But as, as you know, I, I like watching the heavyweights just because a knockout can happen at any time. We've seen what Greg Hardy can do. He's He's got the knockout power as any other heavyweight does, but I think I think this will be a Greg Hardy win. I think it, it's going to be his toughest fight yet. I just think he's going to have the upper hand in the striking, and I think it's going to be quite a dominant fight. And I'm going for a Greg, Greg Hardy decision. Decision just on opposite sides. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, another yeah, as James pointed out, is another close one. Uh, Tub- Tubera is uh, plus one hundred one. Hardy's minus one sixteen overall. Uh, James, your decision is getting plus 250, and Mason, your decision is getting plus 550. Oh. Ooh, close. I do think Hardy's more likely to take the decision, so I'm definitely going to you know, throw a bet on him. But mm-hmm. I can, you can bet both sides again with these plus lines and you know, turn a profit no matter what. But I think Hardy is probably going to take it. Indeed, I agree. Oh, sorry, James. I don't mean to... <laughs> 
<laughs> Throw you out there. You win some minutes, it's all right. So I'll take on the gym. <laughs> all right. Whew, we got a lot of fights. What's up next? Yeah, we do. Uh, I think this is the feature bout in the prelims between Anthony Persis and Alex Moreno. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. If that's what you boys got, perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's no secret that Persis' best years are behind him, obviously being the former lightweight champion. It got to a point where some people thought that he potentially may have dominated the lightweight division for years to come, but it unfortunately did not pan out that way for him. And he's bit of a veteran of the sport now and he's just sort of coming towards the end of his career and as Mono is sort of the best opportunity for Anthony Pettis to get back on the wing column even at his age at 33 Showtime is still a dangerous striker and a grappler with lots of tricks up his sleeve and Mono cannot match his foe's opponent's athleticism at this stage of Pettis' career but that's never been his game anyway I think he's a hard-nosed sort of scrapper someone who pushes the pace and grinds opponents often through the sheer force will he's got that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and that sort of plan B if he wants to choose it against Anthony Pettis but um, if Moreno wants to wrestle constantly then maybe you might want to lean towards Alex in this fight but I genuinely do not see Moreno using the wrestling that much and he's got a bit of a gas tank as well Moreno's going to be the bigger man and it's going to be an interesting one to see how Alex, uh, Anthony Pettis sort of survives and adapts to that weird sort of style from Moreno and I'm very much looking forward to this fight I think with Pettis's sort of range of kickboxing and striking and wherever the fight goes, to be honest, I think he will have his own, uh, will be able to hold his own and potentially grind out the decision victory because, like I said, Anthony really is in desperate need of a win here. 100%, I agree. I, I, fit, I think this is a really exciting fight. Obviously, Alex Morono's coming off the win against Reese McKee recently and Pettis is coming off the win against Cowboy, I believe. Pettis is legend in the sport, true veteran, former lightweight champion. Now this is a welterweight, like he's been competing for a while now. But I think he needs another win just to get back there and get get his name back out if he ever, if he wants one more title push. But it, it's not going to be no easy matter. If Alex wants to, he'll be able to take it to the ground. And then I do believe Alex will grind a dominant decision if it goes to the ground. But... I don't think it will. I think both guys are going to want to stand and I think Pettis will have the upper hand in the striking department. So I'm going for an Anthony Pettis decision. Decision for you. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. James, you were at Pettis' decision as well? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. All right. So Anthony Pettis, actually a pretty strong favorite, especially with this card we have. He's minus 231. Moreno's mm-hmm. plus 193. I got to give the edge to Pettis too. I think that plus that minus 231 is a little too high. The Pettis decision is paying plus 137. I think that's much more, much more uh, palatable. So let's do it. Let's all just jump on Anthony Pettis to win by decision plus 137. Indeed. I I think this is, yeah, I think he's going to win. All right. Easy, easy one. Easy one. What's up next? Yes, a bit of an easy one. Again, this is also another easy one, easy one for my sort of opinion anyway. This is Pani Kianzad versus Sijara Eubanks. Any opportunity for me to back against Sijara, I will take it because I just, oh, honestly, Sijara <laughs> just honestly, part of my French just pisses me off. I, she's got an abysmal record, six and five, and she's very arrogant in her approach. And she started off with a two and a, oh and two winless run to a UFC bantamweight career. Um, but then she got on the she got back on the track with consecutive decision wins over Sarah Morris and uh, Julia Avila. Then two weeks after win over Avila, she stepped in to face Caitlin Vieira ultimately dropping a decision just because of that the, the sheer level of opponent in Caitlin Vieira is a bit of a bit of an experienced fighter compared to Sujaru Eubanks. And same goes for Pani Kianzad. She's very experienced as well. She reached the ultimate fighter. Uh, 28 finals with the decisions over Lena and Solyrenko and only to fall to Macy Kiesen, who's a bit of a tough fighter herself. And she returned seven months later to get the unfortunately lose to Julia Villa. But since then, she's beaten Jessica Rose Clark and Betty Carrera in successive efforts. And she stands three inches taller than Eubanks. And that sort of may help her in the fight, Piani. Uh, P- Pani in this fight. She's very difficult to take down Pani. And if the takedown's not there, then Eubanks really, really struggles. Um, again, in this fight, I think if Penny uses her long-range attacks, I think that will carry her to a now 
decision victory. I don't think we're going to see the most entertaining their fights. But again, like I said, any opportunity to go against Sijari Banks, I'll take it. So I'm going to go for Kian Zed by decision. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not a huge fan of Eubanks' record and the way she goes into the fights. But with Pani, we've seen most of the wins have come by decision. She's a very dominant fighter. So I'll just keep this short and sweet. I agree with James. I think it's going to be a Pani decision. Wow. Got you in. Eubanks is minus 157. Mm-hmm. And uh, it versus plus 136. Man, so Las Vegas is showing some love for Eubanks here. Um, your decision picks are plus one eighty-seven. I like it. I mean, that's that's a nice little payout there. I'm gonna follow you guys. Plus one eighty-seven. Nothing Smart. to sneeze at. Yeah. Decision. I like it. Upset. Big upset coming right here. All right. Next up, what are we looking at? Uh, next up, I believe is a middleweight clash between Carl Robertson and Dutch Lumbiambula. Hey. Oh, I mean, this is going to be. This is a bit of a Good fight to look forward to as well, two absolute bangers. I think the one thing that sort of stands out for me is the height advantage in favour of Robertson. Robertson being six foot one and Dolce being five foot eight. <laughs> and predominantly Dolce is a, a light heavyweight dropping down to middleweight in this one, but this is a very, very tough fight for Dolce. I can see Carl Robertson using the height advantage to to full effect. But even with that height advantage, it's weird. Dolce has a reach advantage by two inches as well, 76 to 74 on Robertson's behalf. So this is going to be a very intriguing matchup between two hard hitters. I'm very, very much looking forward to this one. Again, with Robertson. Um, again, I don't know with this one. I think if Dolce can constantly catch Robertson's kicks and force him into close quarters in exchanging, then maybe he's got a real shot at starting his middleweight run with a win, but more likely Robertson sort of leans on his crisper striking and possibly look for the takedown to sort of take a competitive but comfortable decision victory. I don't think we'll see a finish in this one. I think both men have got a lot to prove. I'm going to go for a Carl Robertson via decision because I'm just, I'm favouring that height advantage in favour of Carl. I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be a really interesting fight. As James said, Carl's got the height advantage, but Dolce's got the reach advantage. I really like Dolce in this fight. I think, obviously, I think this is going to be one of the toughest fights he's been in, but I think he'll have the upper hand in the striking department. He's had multiple TKOs, as we've seen, and just with the power, he's dropping down from light heavyweight. I think the power's still going to be there. So I'm going for a Dolce second round TKO. Second round TKO. Okay. Gotcha. And uh, we don't have the, uh, don't have the props yet for this one. So we're just going to look at the main lines. It's uh, Robertson's minus 252 and Dolce's mm-hmm. plus 209. That's all we got right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do think Carl Robertson's going to end up winning the fight, obviously, minus 252. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, there's no value on betting, a two, uh, betting him that with that much chalk. So we'll see what the props come out for what you're getting. But, uh, yeah. yeah, just keep an eye on that and see. Good stuff. All right. What's up next? Next up, I believe we've got Darren Wynn versus Antonio uh, Arroyo. I believe that's what I've got next. Yeah. And the middleweight division uh, with Darren Wynn, he's coming off of a two-fight losing streak to Jal Mearshart nine months ago. And Darren Stewart, and that was a split decision. The same with Antonio Arroyo. He hasn't really fought in a while. His last fight was just over a year ago against Andre Muniz. And that was fired unanimous decision. So both men, it's been a while since we've last seen them in the octagon. And I think while with his issues when you looked at the fight with uh, Munis is was sort of his takedowns should give win some hope but uh, the Brazilian's length striking edge and scrambling ability will sort of give him fits unless he's made some sort of major improvements in over that past year row figures to be good enough at getting off his back to weather the early storm and take over at long distance as the fight progressive progresses so as long as he sort of sets up those kicks enough to avoid win catching them I think Arroyo gets the sort of one-sided decision. I mean, Darren Wynn is in desperate need of a win here. He's a prodigy of uh, Daniel Cormier, I believe, secured an invite to the UFC a couple of years back with his uh, decision victory over Tom Lawler. So it'd be interesting to see how Darren Wynn responds to those two-fight losing streak because originally he was 6-0, and had some potential uh, behind him. And again, Antonio Arroyo, he's got that little bit more experience, but not much in a way. So this isn't, 
the most intriguing matchups for me personally. I think despite being inactive for over a year and a half, I think Antonio Rio gets a unanimous decision victory on this one. Right. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think I've, I've got the same prediction as James. I just think the ground game of Antonio is going to be too strong. I think he's going to take him down. And as we've seen, he's had numerous submission victories, but I don't think he will submit Darren. I just think he's going to keep him there. He's going to keep going for the submissions. Darren won't let him get them, but just based on keep going for them and being dominant on the ground, I, I agree with James. I think it's going to be a very dominant decision for Antonio Arroyo. All right. Uh, Antonio is minus 164 and Darren's plus 141 right now just to win the fight. Mm-hmm. The decision win for Antonio is plus 333. I like that a lot. He's uh, early stoppage is plus 130. So mm-hmm. looks like that might be a little bit more likely. Um, but I think you guys are on the right track. I do think Arroyo is going to win the fight. So I'm going to end up following you. Just defer to you on this one. Uh, and I think he's going to win. Uh, I've got him, you know, with minus 164. That's like 62% right around mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, I think he's going to win. Yeah, let's do it. Good stuff. Next up. Uh, next up, I've got Eamon Zahabi versus Draco Rodriguez. And again, when you heard that Zahabi name, uh, obviously he's the brother of the legendary fighter for us, Zahabi. Entered the UFC with sort of six first round finishes under his belt. Enjoyed a successful debut against uh Reginaldo Vieira but he's yet to taste victory since suffering knockout loss to Ricardo Ramos and a subsequent decision loss to Vince Morales this will be his first fight in just over 19 months I believe and his second in the last three years so he's a bit inactive and I do believe in the whole ring rust sort of factor and uh, Draco Rodriguez he's got a lot of hype behind his name 7-1 and one, came through the contender series with a nice triangle choke victory over Mana Martinez. He's the, I think he's the moderate favourite in this one, I believe, at the top of my head. It's got all the ingredients to be a tasty scrap. Uh, I think the inactivity on Zahavi's start, um, behalf is not going to sort of pay dividends for Eamon on this one. I think Draco's got a lot of pipe behind his name in various promotions doing well. Um, again, before being 7-1 professionally, he went 13-0 as an amateur before turning professional in 2017. This is going to be a difficult task for Zahabi uh, as he sort of lacks to sort of wrestling to grind Draco Rodriguez. I just, he's got a bit of a chin on him to be fair, Zahabi on, and Rodriguez is willing to sort of chase off, chase the subs off of his back. And so the former surviving on the feet and leaning on top control out of decisions isn't totally out of the question. However, I think it's far likelier that we'll see Rodriguez land the heavier shots and dictate the ground exchanges to sort of claim a comfortable debut victory. It will be a tough test for Draco Rodriguez because, like I said, Eamon Zahabi's got a chin on him. He's tough. He can survive for days, you know. He looks under the cosh a bit, but, you know, he'll still keep pushing forward. So, Draco, in this fight, he's got to stay patient, maintain his game plan, and I think he will get the decision victory in this one. I kind of the opposite. I think Draco will win, but I think... I just think how fast and strong his hands are are going to be a decided factor. As we've seen, he can knock you out and he can also submit you. So, fighter that is good in both departments is obviously will be hard to back against. And Zahabi's inactivity is going to be his downfall, I think. I don't think he'll be able to keep up with Rodriguez. So, I've gone for a Draco first round TKO. Mm. TKO in the first. Got it. Um, Draco is minus 196. So, a nice healthy favorite. Zahibi is uh Zahib is plus one sixty seven. But yeah. I don't know. I had a hard time pulling stats for these guys that I was really comfortable with. So if you're that confident and Draco's gonna win, <laughs> I'll end up following both of you. Um decision and TKO. Decision pays out plus one twenty five and the TKO plays pays out plus two seventy five. Yeah. You can bet both sides if you wanted to. Or just pick which one you like best, James or Mason. Choose, choose mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up. Two, two more fights Next left, up, right? Is that it? Yeah, two more, okay. two more fights okay. left. Uh, next up is a middleweight clash between Tafon uh, Nuchukui versus Jamie Pickett. I probably butchered that name, but oh well. <laughs> Going into this fight, from what I've seen so far, uh, Tafon is a bit of a, a moderate favorite in this one. I think he's minus 300 last time I checked. It's gotten worse, man. But, Oh, really? Mine's 330, <laughs> 331. Oh, gosh. So, originally, 
Uh, Tev Holland's a bit of a well-established heavyweight. I know he's 4-0, but he's dropping down to middleweight, whereby Jamie is more comfortable. That's his natural weight class. So it's going to be an interesting one with Tev He's 26 years of age. Jamie Pickett is a bit more experienced with 15 professional fights under his belt. He'll have the height advantage and the reach advantage over Tefon in this one. This is a very this is a very good fight um, on paper. I think Pickett has a lot of skills that Matova used to great effect when uh, Tefon won on the contender series, namely his movement and his long distance offence. But I think in the fight with Soriano showed that he can also be back to the fence with unfortunate ease. So if Tefon can sort of simply press forward and consistently work the body, I think he'll catch Jamie Pickett because there are holes in Jamie's game whereby Tefon will easily exploit circling them at times. And I think he'll catch him in the first. And I think uh, Tefon will ultimately get it done in the second vertigo. Yeah, I'm, I, li- I like Tefon in this fight. Obviously, he's 4-0, un- undefeated. Fin- he's finished all of his fight by KO or TKO. I just I just don't think Jamie Pickett's going to be able to have his number in this fight. I think Tefon's going to have the upper hand in both departments on striking and on the ground. But in, I think Tefon's going to want get, to get it done quite quite early. So I've gone for a Tefon for first-round TKO. A first-round TKO, okay. This is another fight where I was looking at these stats and I can't find a lot of stuff I like about Jamie at all. Looks like Tafon is going to win. So he's minus 331. He looks like to be the better fighter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Your TKOs are still not paying shit. Minus 188 for the TKO. Wow. So, you know, uh, in, in the first is plus 162. In the second is plus 375. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know... I think you're right. I think you're on the right track. You know, if I had to bet the fight, I would bet Tavon. But man, I would maybe this is a fight to avoid. <laughs> you know, because yeah. yeah. the value is just not there. It's no. just not there. And if Jamie Pickett somehow somehow gets lucky, it's a bad way to start the fight. Start the night minus 188 bucks down. <laughs> All right, and the last fight. <laughs> Jimmy Flick versus Cody Durden, I believe, uh, flyweight belt. And uh, recently, I think a couple of months ago, I say recently, a couple of months ago, I've spoken to Jimmy Flick ahead of his UFC debut, which was scheduled a couple of months ago, which was unfortunately postponed. He now gets the opportunity to fight on um, the UFC Apex for the first time against Cody Durden. Now, with Jimmy Flick, he's got a professional record of 15-5, and five, and the outstanding stat that was, sort of stands out for all MMA fans is 13 of his professional wins, including all of them since 2011, have come by submission. Now, he has the grappling prowess that showed itself again on the contender series where he choked out Ben and beaten Nate Smith in a contract winning effort. And, you know, Jimmy Flick on the floor is very, very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. And again, Cody is a bit of an established martial artist on the back, um, on the mat as well. But again, that's not necessarily the best idea for Durden. I think, like I said, he's the, from my sort of opinion, I think Durden is a better takedown artist, sure, but I think with flicks, front chokes, sweeps, scrambling skills, more than offset, that will eventually prove to be the difference in the fight. I think whether putting Durden on his back or punishing him for attempting to do the same in return, I think he gets his arms around Durden's neck before long because I think with Cody Durden, if Jimmy Flick is willing to trade on the mat, he's probably going to get too ambitious and too wild on the floor whereby Jimmy will be able to exploit those gaps and holes in Cody's game and eventually get the early stoppage. I think Jimmy Flip will get the first round submission. I've gone along the same tracks. I think um, Flick will win this by the submission just because of the amount of submissions he's had and just how good he is at them. I, I think, as he said, Durden's probably the better takedown artist, but if he takes Jimmy Flick down, he could, take, he'll, he could submit him from positions top bottom you name it i think he'll be able to submit him i've gone for jimmy flick second round submission so similar to james just a different round but yeah i think this is going to be a dominant fight for jimmy flick and i think he will ultimately submit him in the second yeah this looks to be pretty one-sided to me uh flick is minus 151 Durden is plus 131 so there's that but yeah looking at that that james you're absolutely right that's the stat that jumps out to you all those submission wins man holy shit um yeah i think you guys are absolutely on the right track let's follow you both on the submission that's only paying plus 105 so there is some value there but not a lot in the first is plus 300 in the second is plus 500 so 
yeah, maybe throw a few bucks on the round betting. Mm-hmm. But that is it for the last fight card of the year. How are you feeling about it? I, I can't wait for it. Obviously, this year it's not been the best, but we've had we've had a fair share of great fights. Obviously, with all the cards going on, a lot of people before the UFC started up again was thinking, obviously, would it get the greatest fights? But we've had some great fight of the year contenders. Just just the magnitude of how well the guys have performed during these times. And we've had the emergence of some of the top guys like Kevin Holland now. So let's bring on 2021. Oh, yeah. James, any final thoughts about 2020? No, I totally agree. I mean, it's been a, a shit year by all accounts for everyone, even probably yourself, Arch and Mason as well. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I think with the UFC, Dana White's done very, very well, tremendously well. And he deserves a lot of praise because very a lot of these sporting organizations were very reluctant to come back and ufc was the first one organizations to sort of dip their toe in the water and just go for it and we've like i said we've seen some absolute bangers of cards and fights and let me say some top contenders emerged uh again this has been a great year and 2021 looks to be even better by all accounts because we've seen already some absolute bangers of uh, fights and main events announced already with mcgregor poirier holloway cater and Dana White announced recently his plans for Nganu versus Mirchich 2 and his plans for John Jones and Israel Adesanya. So, yeah, roll on 2021. 2020 has been a phenomenal year and it ends with the final card of the year, which would also be an absolute banger. So, fair play to Dana. Yeah, and he also said maybe Amanda Nunez versus Jake Paul. <laughs> oh, Jesus, honestly. What a load of rubbish, eh? Indeed. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Alright, sports sesh. Are you guys are you guys done for the year? Do you have one more left? Or is that it? Uh, no, we we finished um this week. We've ended it on 30 for the year. Mm. Nice. I can't wait to see who how the uh, sports sesh curse affects fighters in 2021. I'm just looking forward to yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. James, Mason, I will see you guys next year. Have a great have a good Christmas, Christmas Arch. Yeah, mate. Take care, guys. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.